Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Our Father, thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for your mercy to us that is new every morning. Thank you that we can gather together to worship you. And we ask that your spirit would be active, spirit would be working in our hearts and in our minds, giving us an understanding of your scripture. And Father, I pray that uh, we would be sanctified, that we would walk in a manner worthy of our Savior, and so we would walk as he walked. And so help us, help us in this, Father. Help us to grow in you and to... Uh, be strengthened by the Spirit, and to honor you in all that we do, say, and think. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so we are continuing in our class on Christian rigor, and I just want to go back to the uh, passage, Second Peter 1, 1 through 11, which is really the basis upon which we are uh, pursuing this Christian rigor. And so if we go back to that, you'll remember it says this, um, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our G- of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence, there's the exhortation, we're to apply all diligence in our faith, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're diving down into various topics to talk about applying diligence in our Christian walk. Today we're going to talk about endure. The the one word title is endure. So endurance is our topic today. So what is endurance? What is endurance? Patience? Maybe an aspect of endurance, yes? Okay, steadfastness and perseverance. Those are good synonyms. Lasting long enough. Just making it across the finish line. 
something you need to run a marathon. You need endurance. Staying in the race, I heard. Pressing on. All right. Well, um, again, going to the old Webster Dictionary, what is endurance? Endurance is to last, to continue in the same state without perishing, to remain, to abide, to bear, to brook, to suffer without resistance, to suffer without yielding. I like that definition, to suffer without yielding. Our temptation when we have to endure difficulty or hardship is to yield. And that usually means to reject the suffering and go the direction that leads to at least temporary comfort, right? So um, endurance means to keep going even when the lungs start burning at mile Point five, <laughs> right in the marathon about a half mile in and they're burning you're wondering how you're going to get the other 26 or however long a marathon is I mean I see it on bumper stickers all the time and I can't ever remember okay the other 26 miles there are a lot of words in, in uh, scripture for that are translated endure or endurance. Um, It is the same word that in our English Bibles is translated perseverance. So perseverance, endurance are are the same Greek word. One of those Greek words is hupomeno. Hupo means behind or under and meno means to stay. So it's like to stay under. To, to, to keep carrying the weight, to stay under, to wait, to endure, to bear up under. And again, that's, that's the word, hupomeno, that is, is translated perseverance. There's another one, anecho, which is again a compound word, ana plus echo, which is to hold upward. And then there's stego, which is to cover closely as, as to keep water out, generally to bear up under, but to to, um, to cover very closely. And then there's hupo-fero, again, another compound word with hupo and fero, to bear by being under, uh, to, en- to en- endure. Those are all the um, words that we come across, at least in the New Testament, talking about endurance. Now, at some point, and maybe it's today, Maybe it was last week, maybe it was a few years ago, maybe it's two years off in the future. You will question whether or not you should tap out. You'll question whether or not you should tap out of marriage. You'll question whether or not you should tap out of a job. Uh, any sort of relationship. You'll wonder whether you should tap out of a church, which is a relationship. It's a family relationship. You'll wonder whether you should tap out of home educating your children uh, or if you should tap out of Christian educating them. You'll wonder if you should tap out of the faith 
because of the weight and pain that it brings to your life. And the call of Scripture is endure, persevere, keep going, bear up under the strain, bear up under the weight, don't, don't tap out. All those who fall away, all, all those who backslide, determine that the hardship of the Christian life is not worth enduring. That the stigma of being a Christian is not worth enduring. That, that, um, that the um, embarrassment of being a Christian in a pagan culture is not worth enduring. Right? And, and, and that, that is a temptation that all of us face. And at various times, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's very strong. Sometimes it's weak. Sometimes you feel impervious to everything around you. And other times, um, you feel like uh, if you have the weight of a leaf fall on your shoulders, it's going to cause you to, to tap out. Um, and then you'll make the decision that you just want to eat, to drink, and to be merry, for tomorrow we die. But Scripture calls you to endure hardship, to persevere, right? The call of Scripture is to endure, not to tap out. The world, the flesh, and the devil are seeking to make you tap out. They're all against you, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they're, they're seeking to, to um to get you to do that right now, but you're called to endure. So the, the main verse today is Matthew 10, 21 to 22. Let me read that. Matthew 10, 21 to 22 says this, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. So you, see, you feel that tension in that verse, right? Father against child and child against father. And then um, the hatred, and this is the topic of the text for the sermon this morning as well. Uh, the hatred that we face as believers in Jesus Christ is significant pressure. No one of us wants to be hated. It's, I mean, our whole lives is an attempt to not be hated. And then Christ says, be hated. You will be hated. You will be treated just as I was treated. But that is incredible pressure, right? It's a daily strain. And, and here Christ is, I mean, his main audience in Matthew and also in John 15, where we'll go in the sermon, is his apostles. And his apostles are going to face that incredible uh, pressure against them, the whole world thinking they're fools, and God telling them, no, keep going, keep preaching, keep believing, keep pressing, keep bearing up under the weight. Your life is going to be 
a continual fight. And so the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. And those are, those are striking words, right? The one who has persevered to the end will be saved, Jesus says. So what does God, what does God endure? Right? Most of these lessons I've been trying to, some of them I can't so easily, but I'm trying to bring it back to a characteristic of God that we're to be imitating. It, does God persevere? Is there a sense in which we can talk about God persevering or God enduring? He's steadfast in his love. Okay. Okay. Huh? He bears with us. Okay. Okay. He has said to be long suffering. He has said about himself that he is long suffering with us. Yeah. Um, when we talk about God's endurance, we have to talk, we have to. We have to be nuanced, right? Because our endurance is different than God's endurance, right? Because God, God, nothing is hard for God, right? God does what he does. He does it perfectly, and there is no resistance to his will whatsoever. And so his endurance is different because he's not weak in any sense, right? It is an anthropomorphism. It is attributing to God the characteristics of man to speak of his endurance in, in some sense. Right? To speak of our endurance is to speak of the effect of bearing a difficulty that has the real potential to overwhelm us. Right? But not with God. Nothing has the potential to overwhelm God ever at any time. Okay? Um. He is not overwhelmed by anything. He is God and he is omnipotent. Enduring when you're not omnipotent requires that strength come from somewhere else. Right? Um, and, but that's not God. God doesn't need strength anywhere else. He doesn't need a time period to work through things if he's having to endure something. No, he, he's, he is um, unchanging in his omnipotence. And, of course, omnipotence just means all-powerful. Nevertheless, Scripture speaks of God's endurance so that we can, in some sense, begin to understand Him. That's why Scripture uses anthropomorphism, so that we can get some concept as creatures of God's uh, greatness and have any concept of who He is. So Isaiah 1.13 says, Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. And then Jeremiah 44.22 says, So the Lord was no longer able to endure it because of the evil of your deeds, because of the abominations which you have committed. Thus your, your land has become a ruin an object of horror and a curse without an inhabitant as it is this day. And so our sin provokes the Lord and God is long-suffering and patient with sinners. 
right? And so there, there is a sense in which he is enduring our sin. And Psalm 103 talks of that endurance of the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy or abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, it is, great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as east is from west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And so God knows our weakness. God knows our frame. He also despises every single one of our sins. And his wrath will be poured on every single sin that has ever been committed. And yet, here he is, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He is, um, he is enduring us. The Lord is not slow about his promise, 2 Peter 3.9, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And then Hebrews 12, therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The whole work of Jesus was endurance. For endurance in the face of your spurning of him by your sins. His whole work was endurance. He endured the cross. He endured the wrath of his Father on behalf of sinners. And so we do see examples of this endurance and uh, again, we want to make the, the distinction between the kind of endurance of God and, and our own. His endurance is, um, he can't be overwhelmed by anything. He doesn't tap out, right? He's omnipotent. And yet there are things that he suffers through, so to speak. So what does God call us to endure? What are we to endure and where do we go in Scripture to find out um, about this. Well, there's exhortations all throughout Scripture. Proverbs 18.14 says this, The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? We can endure sickness, you know, um, but even that's really, really difficult. But a broken spirit who can endure that? There's, um, it certainly is more weight to carry to struggle spiritually than struggle physically. It really is. Um, pain is one thing, but feeling forsaken by God 
is another thing, right? And the, the, this proverb just cries out and, and, um, about a broken spirit who can bear it, but God calls us to, to endure the brokenness of spirit that we experience. Assurance ebbs and flows, right? Assurance is sometimes great and sometimes not so great. And when it's not so great, you feel forsaken and your spirit is broken. And God is still teaching us at that moment to depend upon him. He at times withholds his grace so that we might suffer and learn to depend upon him. That's all in the Westminster Confession. Jeremiah 15, 15. You who know, O Lord, remember me, take notice of me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. And this will be a theme in the verses that we go through. Reproach. Being called names for following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the, one of the main things that we are called to endure. Is reproach. Being insulted. Being seen as fools. Being cast out. Being ridiculed for our faith. Um... We'll keep coming back to that. 1 Corinthians 4.12 And we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. So persecution, again, that goes along with the reproach and being insulted for your faith. There's persecution. Um, you know, we... Um, it's hard when you start talking about persecution because relatively, I think we live in a, a, a persecutionless land and time. Um, we're not, you know, this is not China where if you profess faith and it's, it's not sort of tied up with a state, it's a genuine faith and you risk uh, getting disappeared and thrown into a work camp for, you know, until your body breaks down and you die. Uh, we don't face that, praise God. You know, we haven't had to face something like that. But that, that doesn't mean there isn't other forms of persecution or what, it's like, you know, it's not cancer, it's precancerous cells whatever that means, when they tell you that. We have sort of pre-persecution. We have signs of it. It hasn't metastasized yet. And, uh, but there is the persecution of ridicule and reproach uh, for sure. And, um, and we see flare-ups of, um, of genuine losses because of the faith. First uh, Corinthians 10.13, we're also called to endure something else. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. We're called to endure temptation. And this is an everyday situation that we face, right? Temptation will come along for you to mouth off to somebody, 
right? Or to, for you to, um, you to uh, grumble and complain. That temptation comes on you, you hear about something, and it's like, okay, can I endure the temptation? Or am I just going to immediately give in and ask for forgiveness later? Well, that's, that's wicked. That's wicked. Um, we are called to endure temptation. When the temptation comes along, that's when we have to get very active. And we have to realize we're in the fight, and we have to look for the way of escape. Have you ever in the midst of temptation said, God, I don't know where to look. I don't know the way out of this. Show me the way that you say you're going to promise. Do you pray like that? Show me how to get out of this temptation. Show me the way. Well, start doing it if you don't and see if he doesn't provide that way. 2 Thessalonians 1.4, Therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions when you endure. So the Thessalonian church is enduring persecution and um, affliction through that persecution. 2 Timothy 4.3, There's something else we have to endure. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. One of the things that you have to endure is sound doctrine. It's just interesting to think about, isn't it? That we have to endure sound doctrine. And our flesh is screaming at us to tap out. Right? I don't want sound doctrine. I want my ears tickled. And so we have to endure sound doctrine, and the reason we have to endure it is it's constantly confronting us for our sins. It's constantly confronting us for our unbelief. It's constantly at work uh, honing us, and we just don't want to be honed. We just want to eat, drink, and be merry, and then die. And this sanctification work is painful. It's painful. And so sound doctrine, all of us will be tempted to tap out when it comes to sound doctrine. There will come a point where you're going to be like, I don't want to hear this anymore. I want to hear what someone else is saying, which is less sound, but certainly goes down much nicer, you know. It settles in the stomach so much better. So endure sound doctrine. Um, you, should, you should not endure unsound doctrine. You should never endure that. You should never settle for that. But not enduring sound doctrine is to choose unsound doctrine. It's very important. It's very important for your soul that you continue to bear up under the teaching of the Word of God and the fullness of it. 2 Timothy 4.5, But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So endure hardship, hard things, hardships. Uh, that's in the pastoral epistles, and Paul is telling Timothy, it's going to be hard, man. 
They're, they're going to not want to hear what you have to say. They're not going to want to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to want to listen to you because you're young and all these other things, right? And they're just going to want to listen to myths and fables fit only for old women. Right? That scripture, it's not me, that's sound doctrine. It's sound doctrine to say that that old women get tied up in myths and leave behind Scripture, okay? But none of, none of you women want to hear that. But bear up under it. It's the Word of God, right? Endure sound doctrine. Go and study that passage and learn about what it means for you, okay? Because God wrote it. God wrote it. Okay, so, but hardship. He's, he's exhorting him to endure hardship. And, and we constantly have a string of hardships in our lives, don't we? Starting a new job. Starting your first job. Being around new people you don't know. That's a hardship. That's not fun. Some of you may like that, but you're, you're an optimist and you're an extrovert. So I have no clue what that's like for you. <laughs> but there are hardships all the time. Uh, a sick child. You know, your own sicknesses and the breaking down of your body. The loss of money. The cost of gas. <laughs> and groceries. Right? Um, losses of job for your commitment to not work on the Sabbath. Things like that. Hebrews 11, 24-25, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. See, he had vision. He had long sight. And he knew that if he chose the riches of Egypt, they would all be temporary. And he would have just as good things in this life and in the life to come. Suffering. Suffering. But what did he endure? He endured ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoying his sin and rejecting the people of God. So ill treatment for his faith. Hebrews 12, 1-2 also um, sets before us Jesus enduring the cross but then calls us to run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. And what is the race that's set before us? Whatever God brings into our lives. Whatever happens before you die and stand before him. Everything. Every little bit of everything. What roadblocks, what obstacles he will have, have you try to overcome by your faith is his choice. 1 Peter 2.20 Another thing we have to endure for what credit is, it, is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? 
But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So we are to patiently endure suffering because we did the right thing, but not suffering because we did the wrong thing, right? We are to endure suffering, and so we're, we have to endure doing the right thing because it's going to be accompanied by suffering. So we have to endure that. James 1, 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you can encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, knowing that the testing of your faith in, produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so you have to endure the testing of your faith. Tests from the Lord of your faith. Difficulties that come along. And God observes whether or not you approach them by faith or you approach them in the strength of your own arms. And you abandon him and you abandon prayer and you just, you'll think, you, you'll, you'll deal with these things in your own strength. James 5, 1 through 11, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you, cries out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As a Example of perseverance and endurance, take the prophets. Were the prophets, I mean, they had a cushy life, right? I mean, like these, these, you know, the rich who are living luxuriously and they won't even pay the people who mowed their fields for them because they just enjoy their riches. The prophets had the same sort of life, right? They were just comfortable, luxurious, yeah, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we come up a lot of, lot of cushy positions for the prophets. You know, what did Jesus say about the prophets? What did he say to the Jews? He said, you killed the prophets. Prophets all died. I mean, they, they died, but before they died, think of the tests of their faith that the Lord gave to them. Well, Ezekiel, I'm going to make you lie on your side for a year or more. 
you know, and, and just the incredible hatred that the false prophets and the uh, chief priests um, expressed toward the prophets. They had to endure that. And so, so uh, James, the brother of the Lord, gives that example, and then he says, we count those blessed who endured. We count those prophets who endured all of that blessed. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Right? All that test of Job's faith that he had to endure, right? The, um, the loss of everything, the affliction of Satan, the loss then of his own health. And he endured. And then God had mercy upon him and restored restored what he had lost. And so he endured. He endured with a lot of intense prayer. He endured with a lot of complaints before the Lord. But he took them to the Lord, right? And he didn't listen and give in to the, the wretched message of his counselors, his supposed friends. He did not give in, but he took his complaints to the Lord and he persevered through it. And the Lord says that he did not sin with his mouth. Romans 5, 5 through 8. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds... To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. So we have to endure and persevere in doing good for the glory and honor of God and for the glory and honor of eternal life. We have to endure doing good. Uh, because our flesh is set against it. It's a fight to do good, right? We have indwelling sin and it fights against us, but we have to endure doing good. And doing good will often get you in trouble, right? You will suffer for doing good. You will suffer, right? You, you will suffer for being the one guy in the workplace who won't pull the wool over the boss's eyes and lie along with the rest of the, the group you're in. Say, I won't do it. I can't do it. I must, we have, this has to be told. You know? And you will suffer for doing good. You will be hated then for the rest of your tenure in that position. But if you lie, God will judge you. And so we have to endure doing good and, and the consequences. But <laughs> if you persevere in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, then the end of that is, well, eternal life. So how will God increase your endurance? How will he train you for endurance? He's going to give you hardship and suffering. It's a promise to every one of God's children, hardship and suffering. So if, if you don't want any hardship or suffering in your life and you just want to um, take mushrooms, check out, 
have a little experience, psychedelic experience, smoke some dope. Um, you have chosen a different path than what God has chosen for you. Right? God has chosen for you hardship and suffering. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, right? Not only all that justifying work, not only all these things that God did that we couldn't do, that our works have nothing to do with, he was gracious to us. He saved us by his 100% of his work. But not only this, he says, but we also exalt in our tribulations. We exalt in them. We throw a party every time some suffering comes along. I mean, it's crazy. It is insane. It's the kind of insanity that all Christians, good Christians, um, live with. Right? And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about endurance or perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So, there you go. Right? We exalt in our tribulations because it produces, in the end, hope. Hope will never disappoint. Hope does not disappoint because in hoping, we have vision. We have a deep knowledge of that love of God that's been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so that's how God is going to um, increase your endurance He's going to put you through training for the marathon, right? And the whole, your whole life will be one of training and training and training and training and building up your endurance and going through suffering, sometimes cataclysmic suffering, sometimes simple everyday life sort of suffering. But in the end, wonderfully... If you're sitting there trembling and thinking, well, I have no strength. I can't endure. I can't even endure an unkind glance from my wife. It just sets me off, right? I can't endure um, somebody who doesn't say hello to me at church. Why do they hate me? You know? I, I can't endure the smallest of things. How in the world am I supposed to grow in this? Right? I mean, if one of my children were to get cancer. I, how in the world? Couldn't, I couldn't handle that. I couldn't bear up under that. Well, the wonderful thing is God gives endurance. God brings the trial and also supplies endurance for the trial. Romans 15 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. 
And so we get to look at all the other examples of Scripture and say, okay, so-and-so endured. Right? The prophets endured. We saw that. The good kings endured. Um, and, and so we get to see examples in Scripture, and we take encouragement from that. And then it says this benediction in verse 5 of chapter 15. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so look at that. The God who gives perseverance. It really, it's literally just the God of perseverance. But it's a genitive there that can be used to... Um, to, to demonstrate a gift, right? The God who gives perseverance, the God of perseverance. And so God gives this. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, listen to this. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He is understand, his understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That's the promise of God. The trial comes and God supplies the strength. For you not to grow weary, to continue on, to bear up under hardship and reproach and insult and sickness and every difficulty that comes along. I want to close with this, this um, from Spurgeon in one of his sermons. He says this, The Christian man is destined in his measure to testify concerning Jesus and in his proper sphere and place to be a burning and a shining light. He is mixed up with the world. He is compelled to associate with the ungodly. To a great degree, he must, at least six days in the week, walk in an atmosphere uncongenial with his nature. He's compelled to hear words which will never provoke him to love and good works, and to behold actions whose example is obnoxious. He is exposed to temptations of every sort and size, for this is the lot of the followers of the Lamb. Satan knows how useful is a consistent follower of the Savior and how much damage to Christ's cause an inconsistent professor may bring. And therefore, he empties out all his arrows from his quiver that he may wound even to death the soldier of the cross. My brethren, many of you have had a far longer experience than myself. You know how stern is the battle of the religious life how you must contend, even unto blood, striving against sin. Your life is one continued scene of warfare, both without and within. Perhaps even now you are crying out with the apostle, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of this death? A Christian's career is always fighting, never ceasing, always plowing the stormy sea and never resting until he reaches the port of glory. If my God shall preserve you, as preserve you he must, or else you are not his. If he shall keep you, as keep you he will, if you have committed your souls 
to his faithful guardianship, what an honor awaits you. Right? You're in war, but God supplies the weapons and the strength for you to carry on. And so endure whatever hardship. We could all write down a long list of hardships that we might be facing today or have recently or will in the next week. We could come up with a long list, but endure, okay? Endure. God, and ask God to supply the strength to endure. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would indeed give us strength to endure, to persevere, to bear up under the trials that you bring and the suffering that is a part of a fallen world. I pray that we would rest in you and wait upon you. And Father, that we would know you and the strength of the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.